Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us tonight on Sweet Liberty. Today is Wednesday, and it is the 20th of September in the year 2006. I hope you've had a nice week since we talked last, folks. Well, actually, I was on with Darren last night. I don't know how many of you listened to Darren. urge you to do so. Darren was going to be on Darren Week was going to be with us this evening. Uh, he's discovered, and I wanted to mention this before we bring Alan up. Alan Watt is with us. Uh, Alan, thanks for being here, by the way. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Uh, I don't, I don't want to leave you sitting there in the quiet. Uh, Darren discovered uh, a scene in Michigan. It's in the Michigan legislature. In fact, he's after it was introduced, it had already been passed through Senate committee. This is not a fast track. Fast track. Fast track. My my, I'm having problems with some words tonight. Um, it is a, a vaccine, folks. And the reason I'm telling you about this, well, I tell you anyway. But when Darren began doing his research, he found that 45 states legislatures are already messing with this again. And this is a vaccine that is mandated uh, for sixth-grade girls in the government indoctrinational system, once called schools. It is a mandated vaccine for sixth-grade girls. Those are girls, uh, what, 10 and 11 years old, six girls. And it is to prevent cervical cancer. Darren has done a lot of research on it. And um, he about it Monday. His his broadcasts are archived on Sweet Pretty, of course, or at um, originally they're archived at First Amendment Radio. And then um, after a period of time, but if you are not subscribing to First Amendment Radio, you might want to do that because you get the archives then the the same day next day if you don't hear the broadcast live. Uh, he will. He's had a guest on Monday. He's interviewing a woman who's actually in the legislature. And the insidious thing about this, what's happening in Michigan, is the legislator. Uh, she's a senator who introduced this thing. Is uh, when Darren called her office about it, uh, the assistant secretary uh, that he spoke with said, "Oh, she has been spending a lot of time on this. She's working with a, a group." Uh, that's helping her with it. Well, he found out that the group is a uh, called Women in Government. And went to their website. Guess who their sponsors are? Women in Government, uh, Merck, and GlaxoSmithKline. Those are two pharmaceutical companies. And it just so happens, folks, that Merck is the only pharmaceutical now that has the uh, this vaccine ready. It has been tested for safety, of course. And when he went to the Merck site and pulled this up, I don't recall what it is. Darren will be talking about it again Monday night and interviewing the woman uh, from the state legislature. I don't think she's uh, a, a rep or a senator, but she works there in the legislature. He found out that this thing has a little in it. I don't know what other ingredients. It is supposedly, again, a vaccine that would prevent cervical cancer. It's interesting, I didn't know this because I don't watch the news and I don't get mainstream television, 
but my sis said for the last two months they've been talking about this on evidently the news and different programs that they have discovered that cervical cancer comes from a virus so now they're they're planning on shoving more of these chemicals to young children I want you to know about it and I think you ought to check into state and to see Darren has written an article about it he's going to post it at Sweet Liberty so all the information will be there and I hope you will look to it and at least make a call make a call to your legislator your state legislator doesn't know what the ingredients in these stupid things and call with call informed and let them know at least in Michigan uh, because maybe this woman in government group is, is pushing it through all the states, folks. Maybe that's how what Merck is using as the tool to get this into the state. Women in government. You might, might want to write that down. Go to their website. Because it may be, maybe, as I was saying, it may be that they're pushing it into all the states. Five of them now. Alan? Yes, sir. Go again, huh? Uh, yeah, I'm not surprised, but... Um I'm not surprised either. And, of course, we know from long study that the inoculations they gave in the past had nothing to do with what they claimed. They were for alternate purposes. And there's nothing new. It's been known for about 60, 70 years that virus, that the human papilloma virus is what, that the wart, basically, venereal wart is, is, is what starts off the cervical cancer. That's always been known. No, you're kidding me. No. Is a wart of up yeah, it's caused by a virus, you see, and it's a, it's a, it's not the same exactly as you get on your skin elsewhere, but it's just as contagious, maybe even more so. Is it a form of, is it a form of herpes, uh, Alan? No, no, no. It's a, a virus family, but it's uh, it's different. It, it causes um, little warts inside generally the vagina uh, women can carry them for many years without knowing um, where guys it's obviously more obvious um, and they're terribly terribly hard to get rid of but it'd be quite the thing to claim they've got a a, a, per, a particular antidote to this to a preventative because like all the viruses there's so many strains and varieties you know? right. uh, so I very much doubt this has to do with what they're claiming I don't trust them at all in fact of course not. when you went to the history of vaccinations and then when you looked into the ingredients aluminum is present Alan. and that causes Alzheimer's uh -huh. oh, yeah. yes exactly but there'll be other and, and I'll tell you another thing too when they tell you something like aluminum is often to sidetrack you on and to focus on that well there's another thing that's much more ominous even worse inside there yeah uh huh yeah it'll attack the hormonal system I've no doubt because they want to bring down the population drastically yeah and they're doing it in all their insidious and evil ways and it's highly masonic I mean Merck is Mercury the messenger that's why they call it Merck you know and, and the high masons love Mercury the messenger uh, and maybe that's why they use the Marisol yeah mm -hmm. oh, so. that's right Mercury comes from it yeah. and um, uh, women in government is just wig by the way <laughs> maybe this stuff makes your hair fall out I don't know Wigs? Yeah, W-I-G. Oh. Yeah, but, it, but what I was going to say was... Uh, it's a cover-up. I know there was one woman, there's probably a few, but there was one woman 
in a, in a video I watched <clears throat> to do with uh, Monsanto's modified uh, food. Uh, and this woman worked for the Federal Drug Administration, and so she was in politics back into uh, the FDA, and, and then she was into uh, uh, Monsanto, working for them back and forth five times from Monsanto back to working for the government. I wonder if it's the same one. So they have their own agents in the government, you see. This, uh, this state legislature. Yeah, you'd have to dig up her history. Yeah, yeah well, uh, she, she was... I don't think she's the president. I think she just finished as uh, the chairman of the board uh -huh. on women in government. Mm -hmm. And uh, and their their sponsor being Merck, uh -huh. uh, you would think this is a, a tremendous uh, conflict. Interest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, I'll tell you what Darren did. He went to the newsroom. You know, he's an engineer mm -hmm. at a TV station. Yeah. He told them about it, and they did a thing on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and they mentioned that it sounded like a conflict of interest. Mm -hmm. And once he's got the ingredients and understands what's in it, yeah. he's going to ask them to follow up. But then to find out that it is in 45 states. One thing I wanted to say to our listeners, uh, this is a mandated thing, folks. Mm -hmm. Every single state has an opt-out form that parents can opt their children out of the vaccine and they can't be kicked out of school. They will not tell you that, but that is so. And I know in Missouri, for a matter of fact, uh, when Nicole was, she actually called Health and Human Services to get a copy of an opt-out form when the, they were mandating uh, ASHE's grade. They all had to have the tetanus vaccine out. And um, when she got up to the school, I guess most the entire class was being sent home because they weren't vaccinated. Mm -hmm. And she told them that she was going to be signing an opt-out form. She had one coming from Health and Human Services. And the lady there said, well, honey, we have them right here. Mm -hmm. And she handed one to Nicole, and that's all it was. It didn't have to be any religious, philosophical, just mm -hmm. there's an opt-out form. The problem is when they date this, most of the parents don't know they can opt their children out of them. Mm -hmm. I know. And even even though it's you can opt out, they'll still try uh, sort of covert threatening and uh, uh, children's aid, etc. That you could up against a whole bureaucracy of NGOs. The Children's Aid Society, by the way, is non-governmental. I hope people realize that. What? Uh, it's a non-governmental uh, institution. What would you say again? The, the Children's Aid Society. Children's Aid Society. I've never heard of that. Well, Children's Aid is the same thing as the child. Uh, uh, what do you call it? The child in the, the states. Family service. Yeah, yeah, because these oh. these, these actually started up as uh, NGOs, non-governmental organizations, and simply got funding eventually from government, but they're still classified as basically private institutions. So they, they often threaten the parents with these uh, different services uh, if they refuse to go along with their particular. The, in, in the states here, Alan, uh -huh. the family, uh, um, they have different names for them, but it's the Department of Family. Mm -hmm. They have different names for them. Yeah. But it's, a, it's an agency. They're bureaucrats that work in them. Uh -huh. It is an agency that has been created by the state legislature. Uh -huh. And they create these agents. And it's, of course, such broad language. Mm -hmm. And there is so much... 
uh, leeway, given so much latitude, given that there's almost no stopping. Yeah. I was, uh, I was, I mentioned this, I believe, uh, last night, because Derek asked me to come on with him. Uh, here in Pennsylvania, I was talking to a secretary of uh, one of our state reps, and she said whenever somebody has called the office to ask for help because Children and Family Services, I'm not sure what they can hear, mm-hmm. are harassing them and threatening them, he, he called to try to help a constituent. Here's what he was told. You baited us. You gave us this power, and there's nothing you can do about it. So not even the state legislators, once created the monster, mm-hmm. not even they can enter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we are living under tyranny, and there's no doubt about it. And uh, it's interesting that Carl Jung, back in the 1950s, uh, who really was way superior to any Freud they put out there, um, his worst vision of the future that he was sure was coming by the signs that he saw then. It wasn't just an iron curtain across a country like Germany or whatever. He saw an iron an iron wall around the whole planet of bureau, uh, bureaucracy that would stifle all free thought and existence. And he was quite right. That's what we're coming into now. Well, Karl Marx, yeah. not, I don't know that this is just because I read it, Yeah. but I read that Karl Marx didn't write uh, of his writings, he was just a front person. He was a front. Engels uh, so, supplied a, a lot of the, the writing too. Okay, and so he saw this. No, he didn't see this. Mm-hmm. It was in the plan, yes. Well, it was Lenin who wrote about it himself. Lenin said uh, the time would come in the West towards the millennium. He was talking about 2000, and he wrote this back in the early 1900s. He said time would come in the West where bureaucracies would be so all-pervasive and so numerous that they'd be overstepping each other's boundaries, causing confusion as they battle for power between themselves. And uh, he said this is a stage that the world must go through. He knew the whole agenda. So we had to go through the stage of apparent confusion, over-regulation, until even the bureaucrats are stepping over each other, different departments, and then they come out with a new system, a new society. Yeah. Yeah, everything's planned, even the crisis. Yeah. Yeah. Well, of course. Yeah. I read. I'll tell you what I did. I was looking for a particular article in my files, in my email files. I have a jillion folders, mm-hmm. and so I did a search. I wasn't able to find it, but I remembered reading, and this was, I believe, a newspaper report that the Cong, the U.S. Congress. I may have even mentioned it when I had it emailed to me. Mm-hmm. that the U.S. Congress had shortened the uh, time, required time, uh-huh. for the pharmaceuticals to test their new drugs. Oh, yeah. The time it was shortened to was eight weeks, Alan. Eight weeks, I know, and even then... Eight weeks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, it's pathetic, because... But then again, it falls right into the agenda, because remember Carl Quigley himself who was uh, the historian. He was the official historian for the secretive CFR organization, which is the American branch of the Royal Institute of International Affairs. And he said in, and right in there um, that the new world order will consist of a new type of feudal system with, with uh, corporations taking the parts of the warlords and nobility. 
so we're finding more and more so that the legislation is getting passed on behalf of massive international corporations uh, that's happening and look at all the politicians all these lawyers corporate lawyers they've been either working for these corporations before they go into politics or they go into them after they've left politics so it's one and the same thing really and so private corporations are getting their way we saw it here in Canada uh, quite a few years ago when we found out through Britain through a protest that was happening in Britain when Tony Blair was pushing through the, the, the modified food the genetically modified vegetables uh, it came out it leaked out from the NGOs in Britain who were protesting that Canadians were had been using this stuff for 10 years and they hadn't told the populace. Right. So the government had to come out with a statement and they did admit in all the newspapers they'd signed a secret agreement with Monsanto and others to test uh, this stuff on the Canadians. A secret ag agreement from your own government. Your own government. Uh-huh. They aren't our government. I know. I know. And, I mean, this Mickey Mouse show is, is getting oh. pathetic. But, but that's, that's what they give us. Uh, so when you think about, I suppose, do you think Parliament, I would imagine so, in uh, Canada, do you imagine, is, is it a corporation like the U.S. Yeah, government? Yeah, yeah. They're all corporations. They're all patterned after Paul the... Paul Martin, is it <laughs> still there? No, well, he's not there now. No, he's, he's working for the U.N. as far as I know. Oh, who's, who's the new guy? Oh, it's, it's um, Harper, Stephen Harper. Stephen Harper, okay. Yeah. So he's the CEO. He is the CEO. Yeah, he's yeah. Bush. Mm -hmm. But they're not the admirals. They're only they're they're only the captains of the ship. Well, they're more like the janitors. Let's face it. Yeah, I know. I know. It's it's, it's rather sad and pathetic to try and try and even pretend to yourself that these guys are in charge of you because they're not. They're going along with an old agenda. We can read their predecessors who wrote books on it. And it doesn't matter which party gets in, the agenda steamrolls ahead. Because the bureaucracies are there forever, regardless of who appears to be the front man in Parliament. Uh, the bureaucracies are there for life forever. Yeah. And they have schools the, uh, for the bureaucrats. They do. For the children of the bureaucrats. They're all intergenerational at yeah, the federal I level. That recently. I know you've said that. Yeah read that just recently yeah. it was some particular uh, individual I was reading about mm -hmm. and that he had uh, gone to school uh, as a child of a bureaucrat yeah. he went to the school for bureaucrats yes to grow up mm -hmm. bureaucrat. mm -hmm. and they marry each other too uh, it's a closed society uh, they always live in a specific area of each capital city of every nation and they intermarry and go to the same social clubs and and they don't really mingle with the general population so they're a, they're a class to themselves really yeah but they, they know when they go into a department that uh, they're, they're schooled into what their function will be their role will be for their whole life what they have to push forward and H.G. Wells talked about that when he did the write-up on the League of Nations the the the, the, the precursor of the United Nations yeah he, he said that uh, basically now he says with the League of Nations it is the embryo of world parliament 
He says, and every country uh, has its bu bureaucrats who can now correspond directly with equivalent bureaucracies at the League of Nations. Mm -hmm. Now, that's the same today. They don't even have to go through the politicians. Sure. Yeah. But the politicians have stood them in the first place. Mm -hmm. Every single agency started... Um, I have a report, a UN report, mm -hmm. from three meetings that were back in the 1950s. Yeah. One was in the Soviet Union. One was in Switzerland. I don't recall where the third one was. And that, that was uh, when they were talking about... Uh, oh, gosh, it has to do with the Housing Administration. Uh, yes. I think that was HUD over here. Uh -huh. That was before HUD was even formed. Mm -hmm. And um, I got looking up in the encyclopedia to see when HUD was created, and it was right after that meeting took hold. Uh -huh. uh, it, it, it was regional governance. Um, the, 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 oh, geez. There was a quote in there that main purpose uh, for this particular individual mm -hmm. was, to, was the transfer of land mm -hmm. from uh, private to public use. Yeah. That was back in 1950. And then all of these, they kept using these phrases. Mm -hmm. They all related to different agencies yeah. that are here in the U.S. And as you said, I mean, they're, they're all brothers and sisters across the world. Yeah created under under the auspices of the United Nations. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fact. The United Nations uh, report here mm -hmm. where they tend to become a true world parliamentary government. Yeah. Yeah, they've said in many statements that their function is to eventually become the world's government. But they've yeah. said it quite openly. So they need their own army. Uh-huh. Uh, they need their own taxing uh, mm -hmm. uh, agenda. Yeah. And that's they need the only thing that was lacking they said was the people's parliament mm -hmm. the voice of the people oh the voice so, of the people <laughs> the voice of the people uh -huh. the uh the non-governmental organization yeah the soviet yeah, that's the voice of the people that's the soviet that's what soviet means ngos yeah the council that's right Unelected councils, and just like the Soviet Union, uh, they'd appear, they'd, they'd claim to speak for the people. The people demand this, the people demand that, but each head of the organization was, was appointed by, uh, the Soviet, uh, Politburo itself. So it won't be any different here, we know that. No, of course not. Yeah. But when you have all of these thousands, because there are thousands of them, mm -hmm. as a matter of fact, any listener who might be interested, uh, they're in, in our United Nations section mm -hmm. at sweetliberty.org. Yeah. Uh, there is a report that was done on, in fact, it was uh, piece by pieces. Mm -hmm. And it was all about the non-governmental organization. Mm -hmm. How they were going to bring the New World Order in by these organizations. Mm -hmm. This thing was done, it came from the University of Pennsylvania. Yeah. And it, it may have been 43. Mm -hmm. Uh, could have been 34, I don't know, it was back, way back. Mm -hmm. And already they said there were 2,700 up. Yeah, and it started in the 1700s. Yeah. And it started initially by uh, the big, the foundations, which were taken, philanthropists they called it at the time, the multi-millionaires of the day, very high Freemasons too. 
and they'd all got together to, and decided how to take the world over and of course money was the key so they had to control the world's resources and get to the top then they could finance and front uh, the, these little NGO groups and it's gone on steadily since then these, the big NGOs are not grassroots at all, never were they have big buildings, a lot of them uh, uh, computerized equipment all over the place in different floors they have pension plans so they're not grassroots, these are authorized and funded by the Ford, Carnegie Rockefeller Foundations and many others Yeah. yeah. It, 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 people would be maybe uh and did you know that the Boy and Girl Scouts of America, mm-hmm. uh, it's an international and it is considered an NGO. Mm-hmm. And the uh, YM and YWCAs yeah. are non-governmental organizations uh, recognized by the United Nations. Yeah, that's right. <coughs> so it's the same old con, the, pre- the pretense that there's someone there to speak for you. And as long as the pretense is there, that most of the public goes along with it. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted our listeners to know about this so they can look into it. I understand that Pennsylvania is one of the states. And I'm I'm going to take a look into it and at least give a state legislator a call, my state rep and state senator. I don't know what the... uh, what the situation is here but behooves each of us to check it out because you have no idea the difference you make and that's true I know that and you've got to hit something at the beginning if possible before it begins once it's underway it becomes it becomes normal so quickly you know you've got to hit things right away uh, to stop things you, you can't let them start and then hit them it's very difficult then to, to stop something and you know there are I know that it's frustrating for people mm-hmm. who are awake and who are waking up well we're all waking up mm-hmm. we're in the process of waking up yeah some of us have woke a little bit before others mm-hmm. um, but it's frustrating when they try to talk to friends neighbors associates family and you know, they get the the eyes rolling up and the, mm-hmm. uh, but here's how I feel about this if we know something that can affect their loved ones and them, then it's our responsibility to see it because it is planting seeds. Mm-hmm. And like you said, not out there and start preaching, mm-hmm. but just say it. Yeah. And then if you care and say, whoa, tell me more about this, then you have a person with some active gray matter. And you stay on the topic. See, people generally know so many different areas where everything's happening, they overload the person rather than stick on a topic, you know, and leave it with them at that until maybe the next time. Yeah. Or, or unless they ask a question. Yeah. A lot of times, mm-hmm. get talking to somebody. Yeah. Uh, then it sparks a question in their mind. Yeah, that's okay. If, yeah. they, if they ask, then that's fine. Uh-huh. And keep the, again, it's short because you could probably give them enough knowledge for a book on each topic. You don't realize how much you've stored up in your head. Uh, so you only give them enough on each topic for the time being. And that's how you can do it because you're talking to people who've swallowed their conditioned reality and they truly believe if there's anything really, really worth knowing, the media will tell them. Yeah, right. They really believe that. Uh, yeah. And I have 
an example, Yeah, I think we're about out of our uh, first half hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't think I have time. It isn't long, but I don't want to be interrupted. So that our listeners see that it can happen. Then at least you've said it, mm-hmm. and that is our responsibility. I, I just don't see that any other way, Alan. I know. I know. See it any other way. Folks, we're going to be back right after this in about three minutes, so you stay with us. Uh, I'm Jackie Patru, case you're a new listener, and Alan Watt is our guest this evening. As usual, we'll be right here. All right, we're back. Uh, Alan? Yeah. Before we get started, uh, tell listeners about uh, what you have to offer, your DVD and the books, etc. Yeah, if they go to cuttingthroughthematrix.com, they can look at the, the, the videos. I've also got the first one, which is free on the site, the first DVD on Reality Check. That, um, they can also purchase it if they want to for other people who don't have computers. That's nice. You've got that on DVD now? Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, that's nice. Because a lot of people don't have computers, and they can, and it plays on the DVD player for your TV. Oh, good. Um, and uh, I've got more CDs coming out too. Yeah. Now you have Reality Two. Yeah. But you have Reality Check One on DVD. Yeah. Okay, both of them are available. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. And and the first one is it for people to watch free if they want to, but they can purchase it to show their friends, family, etc. And the other one is for purchase only. Yeah. Quality check too. Yeah. And your books. And there's there's the three books there, the Cutting Through series, which is a form of deprogramming, which um, it, it does work. I've had a lot of people who've. Uh, it's not what they expect. It's not the usual boring. This happened in the year so and so, and it's a method of showing you what's in front of you that you've missed, to show you that you're living in not just deception. But even the deception of the language you're given is so so coded, and once they understand it, it becomes obvious to them. And the higher Freemasons use these codes all the time. Um, and I've got another one coming out. Uh, it'll be about a month's time, hopefully. Uh, that goes further into this whole coding business to for those who've already caught up on the last three books. Yeah. A deprogramming. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, because you have you have to deprogram people. It's not just a matter of see. The, 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 here's the trick that's played on us. Apart from the fact we're brainwashed into a version of reality. We're born into it. You're born into it, and if your parents don't know to tell you how it works, you think it's normal. Now, so which means anything can be normal to a child brought up in any system. And so you have to show them that this, uh, by history too, that this was a planned society, and it's to be a planned world. It's all coming together. All the laws are, are coming together. The, the legalities, so we can merge the whole planet quite smoothly, as they as they did with the, the merger of Europe. They merged the country's laws together quietly over a period of 50 years. And eventually they start to standardize the money, bring some down and value some up so they could simply merge it into the euro. And they're doing the same in North America here and with Latin America. And so everything that happens is planned. Nothing just happens at the time. 
and these front meetings we see where they, they put their, their signature on something as presidents, that's just a, a show for the public. In reality, uh, the negotiations and all of the footwork was, were done by bureaucrats and lawyers for the last 50 years. You know, so I, I go through this kind of stuff to to show the people it's much much deeper. You can't play the, the game of politics; it's totally corrupt. Always was. Politicians are, are are vetted long before the public even hear their names to vote for. They're vetted by the big boys, and the ones that are chosen uh, go along with the agenda. That's their job. Uh, politics is a front in itself for the agenda. And it stops the people from revolting every four or five years. And that's why they gave this so-called democratic system, beginning with, with Britain, they found that the public was generally, they were so overtaxed over hundreds of years, uh, and all the wars that came along after the Rothschilds took over the bank, um, and, and they got a standing army paid for by the taxpayer, uh, the people were so overtaxed, they knew they'd have a revolution every four or five years, so they gave them this thing called democracy, and carried on as usual with the same antics but the people think well we've got a chance we can get these these guys out and that's what you do in these these organized these countries you vote the last lot of politicians out hoping the next bunch will be better and it never is well and today at least here in the u.s and i don't know how many countries are using the uh, computer voting machine. Oh, yeah. In, in the U.S. today, uh -huh. uh, voting is actually futile. Mm -hmm. I mean, because your vote can be changed as it's being kept. It always was, though. The die vote. Not always, uh, not this easy. Well, I'll tell you, I, what I found strange, I only went to a voting office once, and that was because someone told me to meet them there. I've never, I'm proud to say I've never voted for anything or anybody in my life. I was never fooled, uh, but I went to this one in, in Ontario here to meet someone, and every woman that was counting the votes in that office had a, a, an Eastern Star badge on. That's no coincidence. You know, and Stalin himself said, I don't care. They, they, they weren't counted right in the public at the voting precinct itself? Yeah. Yeah. They weren't? Oh, they were counted in there, but all the staff there that were in charge of the boxes and in the counting all were all these women with Eastern Star badges on. And, and the public wasn't allowed in while the counting was going on? No. No. Okay. And Stalin himself said, I don't care who votes for whom, he says. He says, that's irrelevant. They said, he says, I only care about the one that counts them. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's a con game. It always was. Yeah. Uh... What I wanted to say before we got off that subject and, w and then back off it again, mm -hmm. uh, when we were talking about it, it being our responsibility at least to inform people, mm -hmm. uh, just then I went grocery shopping the other day and stopped and had lunch and she uh, accidentally put aspartame or those, I think it was that, might have been Splenda, mm -hmm. in her coffee cup and she took it and said, whoa. So she asked the waitress if she could please have another cup and it was a new cup of coffee and she says, oh, that's great. I use that. I'll drink it myself. And then she started walking away. Yeah. And I said, was it Splenda stuff that you put in your coffee? Yeah. yeah. And I said, no Splenda. No Splenda. And mm -hmm. she was walking away. And she turned around and she said, no Splenda? I said, no. So she came back and she asked me about it. I said, no, it's real bad news. Any of the artificial sweeteners. I said, just 
is just do a search on your search engine for Splenda. I asked her if she had a computer. I said, just do a search for Splenda, and you will find out about it. She said, thank you. And that was the end of it. And, I mean, she, she meant it, Alan. Yeah. She, she wasn't just, oh, I'm a customer, so humor me. Yeah. Uh-huh. She was very, very appreciative to hear that. She had no idea. Mm-hmm. It took about three minutes. Yeah. And it's a- anything like that. Oh, yeah. I, I, you can't really stop yourself. I mean, I, I can't. Can. Yeah. 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 And there's so many opportunities. I, every, every time somebody says something, it's uh-huh. an opening, isn't it? Yeah. It really is. And then, then there comes a time where you just have to gulp because uh-huh. everything they say is an opening. Yes. Yes. Everything they say. But when it comes to pain, uh-huh. when it comes to things like that, yeah. it is, it's Oh, it's killing. Yeah. It's killing. Mm-hmm. It's our responsibility to say it. Whether they listen or not, uh-huh. it is, of course, to be their own responsibility. Yeah. It's what, and you know, huh, this, I may have said this already. I may have said it on the air, but this thought has been in my mind. Mm-hmm. If I knew Alan mm-hmm. when I was a young woman of bearing or if I knew what this world was like, I don't I would have ever brought children into the world. Yeah. yeah. Alan, I mean that. Well, I decided that before I I had a woman. <laughs> yeah. I knew it then, yeah. You knew it, but I didn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I think to myself, well, you know what? Mm-hmm. Who are we to say who's to be here? And mm-hmm. Because there are people who come up and... I read some, I, in fact, I wanted to use it tonight as our spiritual message. It was, it was spiritual, I guess, in a sense, but basically what it said was that something about today, there are so few who are doing so much for so many. Mm-hmm. But it had to do with the people who are awake and are awakening others. Yeah, because we are at a crucial time. In the past, it wasn't so urgent. It was always there, um, boiling away, simmering away. But now it's urgent because we know that they've published so much on their scientific data. They've had so many world meetings of scientists of what to do with the public, the type of public they wish to have in the very, very near future. Uh, and we know it's, it's a robotic type society, uh, so that's why it's so urgent now. You see, yeah. yeah. Because those who are growing up now are the ones who can go through the biggest changes that's ever been seen here for probably thousands of years. Yeah. Do you think this is the end of an age? Oh, it is the end of an age. There's no doubt. Yeah. Well, I mean. It's the end of the age of Pisces and the... Yeah, uh, and with that... uh No, but I want to ask you a question. Mm. They refer to that as an age? Yes, to them it's the period of time and every age. In every age they have their agenda scheduled out. So is that every 20-some hundred years? Yeah, it's over 25 and a half thousand, uh, really, in a sense. And now they knew, if you notice, history went along with the usual conquering stuff, the building up of empires, uh, in the traditional 
fashion uh, with the bank, the backing of the money lenders and the taxations of the conquered people. It went on quite the same, and, and so did agriculture and so on, up until about the 1500s. And it was in the 1500s as though an alarm bell went off. Suddenly there was this, this explosion of Rosicrucianism throughout Europe. And, and, and it was always Rosicrucians in amongst or, and around the royal families, the advisors and so on. And they were into the sciences. Suddenly science was very important to them because they knew they had only about 500 years left to complete the mission of, that through science they would conquer all or finish off this, the, the period for the age. And that's why they've had this tremendous rush since the 1500s. Yeah. So you're saying according to that... Mm -hmm. Age is a full cycle of the zodiacal ages. It's called the Great uh, Zodiac, yeah. The great Zodiac, because according to, you know, what I've read, and I think we've talked about it, uh, during the time when Jesus was here, mm -hmm. that's why they used the sign of the fish. The fish, yeah. Aquarius. Mm -hmm. And so that was about 2,000 years ago. So isn't each of those inner ages about 20-some hundred years? Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's that's really what it is. It's it, it's broken down. Now, now within the great cycle, uh, one particular sign predominates, just as you do in the annular uh, cycle. And so they have all the mini ones in between them. And uh, uh, so the end of the age. Uh, uh, technically, we're going into this is Aquarius. And they've been arguing about the exact moment of reaching Aquarius for the last 60 years. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. And uh, the Theosophy of Society came out with different so debates on it. Yeah. That in this age, this great uh, age, mm -hmm. there's one particular sign that is predominant? That, that's Aquarius, the, the water bearer. Oh, in. I, I mean the great age, the whole 25,000 years. Um, they do. They do have a, a, a sort of symbol for it, an occultic symbol. Some of them have different occultic symbols to confuse it all because they claim that every... And I would, I'd really believe this because if you were to study... Uh, supposing the so-called civilization, as they call it. Yeah. Let's... let's take the standard nonsense we're fed here uh, uh, life begun, begins at Sumer or civilization begins at Sumer uh, that, that's nonsense Sumer came on the scene fully fledged as a system with, with its money form uh, with its uh, uh, even receipts you could get a baked clay receipt at the market within 15 minutes they found millions of them uh, and they had all these priesthoods that, that acted as bureaucrats and governmental departments, you might say, governing all trade, domestic I and foreign. Did, uh, a humongous, um, was Sumer a city? It, it, was, a, it was both city and, and cities. Uh, some of them include Marie to the northwest uh, as part of the, the, the whole Sumer area. It was really, it was really um, Acadia, they also called it, the whole, the whole area, Acadia. Did you spell that? Uh, some of them use K, A-K, A-D-I-A. Acadia, yeah. okay. Other ones use the C, but it's up to the person. But, but, but how in the world, out of almost nowhere, how did they gather yeah. so many people? Uh -huh. How did... I mean, well, we know they came down from the highland areas to the northeast of them, 
and they brought the seed with them, which meant there was a previous agricultural civilization existing to have the seed. See, nomadic peoples don't keep seed and, and plant. They're always on the move. So these people, these people came from the mountainous areas and brought this system with them. Uh, so, so they had to have gotten it from a, not only from a previous age. Now, uh, to, to knock out the nonsense that we just sort of evolved from there uh, piecemeal, uh, by good luck or whatever uh, here's, here's the clue they knew astronomy inside out even at the beginning of Sumer yes. now if you were to follow even all of the stars 1500 years ago yeah, even if you followed all the stars uh, and all the planets and the rising sentence and uh, the different comets that come and go etc to get one great year you'd have to have studied it for 25 and a half thousand years already to be sure it would happen exactly the same way again you see what I'm saying yeah. if you just watched it one time around you couldn't be certain it was going to come in the same sequence again so the man is far far older uh, with knowledge intellect uh, methods of, of obviously translating this or, or putting this, this uh, information down and teaching it to others to have to have had that extreme knowledge at the beginning of Sumer yeah. uh, so that's the key to that uh, we're not supposed to know so getting back to what we're saying here they plan uh, the ages now the many ages are um, with each 2,000, just over 2,000 years, uh, again, another sign will predominate. So you, you'll have within the great zodiac, you had uh, Pisces for, for the time of Jesus. Uh, the fish was a symbol long before the cross. And even after the cross, that was, it was used for 200 years before the cross was officially made uh, the Christian symbol. Um, and uh, and they had the 2,000 years mapped out. In other words, their goal was mapped out at the beginning. Yeah. What do you know about the giants that were here? Uh, I don't go along with all of that. Um, I've been reading some stuff. Yeah. Um, one of the things came from Ohio, uh -huh. and they actually... Uh, they actually showed the reports. These, you know how the little town halls or the county seats that we have now, but where the records were kept. Uh -huh. This was back maybe 1800 sometime. Yeah. They, they dug up. They found all kinds of bones. Mm -hmm. And this was reported, and it was recorded uh -huh. in the public records. Yeah. And these... Uh, these uh, people were eight, nine, ten feet tall, large, and they had double rows of teeth. They showed jaws mm -hmm. in the Malin. Mm -hmm. And then evidently there are some of the American uh, Indians uh, that were here before us. I don't know, why do we call Indians? Because... Oh, it's a Masonic con game, yeah. Right, because he caught, they said he thought he he landed on India. I know, I know. It's a Masonic con game, yeah. Find a word to say for those people. But anyway, uh -huh. that in their lore, yeah. they, a lot of them said that there were giants before they were here. Uh -huh. And and the one uh, story and a lot that, you know, of course, it, it's oral history. Mm -hmm. So we know that where there's smoke fire mm -hmm. and I suppose it changes down through the years but mm -hmm. that 
were red-bearded ones and black-bearded ones. Mm -hmm. And then it reminded me of when we've talked about those red-haired people, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like in Egypt, the pharaohs and yeah. over there in China. And even in the heads of uh, kings and queens for Sumer. We knew they wore black wigs because they found them in their graves. Red-headed too. Well, yeah. I, that reminded me of that, but I'm not so sure, Ellen, that there weren't mm -hmm. a very large race of people here at one time. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it's possible you'll you have aberrations even within groups. Um, we still have different uh, aberrations in some African tribes where they all have six toes, for instance. Uh, the whole tribe, every member. Uh, and uh, and fingers as well, so you you'll get these things happening within um, peoples who interbreed intensively. If there's already a dominant gene there, it'll get passed on, it, and they'll start losing it if they start breeding out. You see? Yeah. Well, I'm gonna. I'd like to look into this further. I found it very fascinating. Uh -huh. uh and the problem with the 1800s, uh, I mean, I know that in the 1800s there was so many, uh, there was so much going on. There was an awful lot of con games going on in the 1800s too in the U.S. And that's when uh, P.T. Barnum took over because someone came out and claimed they'd found a giant and they had to put it on display or something and that it was stolen. <laughs> And uh, so, so he or some of his friends came up with uh, uh, one. They made it themselves and claimed it was a real thing. And they toured the whole of the U.S. with it for a few years and then admitted it was a fake. So there was so much nonsense going on at the time. It's hard to tell because we weren't there, really, you know. I know. Well, we weren't there yeah. any of this. Yeah. So, so really, we, we just don't know. Um, just wondered. Uh, I, I don't know if they've even... See, if, if they still had... And even then, I mean, after the Piltdown Man that was taught as fact and people had thesis for the universities and they passed it on this whole Piltdown Man nonsense. Piltdown Man. Well, they had it on display to, to try and prove it was a missing link for evolution, to try and prove. And, and then it came out after years and years on display and taught in every school across the world as a fact of when they eventually did test it. Um, the jaw was that of a pig stuck onto a, a gorilla's skull. So they, they do all these cons uh, in history in a big way, and it's always the bigger the con, the more gullible the people are. It's a sad truth, you know. It's a sad, sad truth. Were the uh, the American Indians weren't real small people, were they? Oh, some of them were pretty tall, especially up here in Canada. So, so see, we're looking at a different race course again. Uh -huh. uh, what is it? What? what brought that to my mind as we were talking today about Valley Forge mm -hmm. and I said it was so fascinating to go there and look at in those little cabins uh -huh. the bunks that stepped in it was something I'd have been comfortable in, Alan. Well, you, if you look at the, a lot of the, the old buildings across Europe that the people lived in, and, and not only that, going to the castles, that was, that's what hit me when I was really young. I went off to explore the castles, and um, the, the, the regular guards, the armies, had breastplates that, that wouldn't have fit me at 13 or 12. Okay, there you go. And, because, and the normal people you see were starved. They weren't getting proper diets. That was the reason for it. Uh, see, you, you can make people stunted in growth by, by malnourishment. And that's why the nobility grew to their full height. Well, I'm talking, yeah. though, about these people that were here 
in the U.S., yeah. in America, uh -huh. back in the 1700s, mm -hmm. and they were meat eaters, Glenn. Yeah. They were small. They were short. I remember at uh, 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 the, uh, the island in Michigan, uh, Mackinac Island, uh -huh. there's a fort there, and we went there to see the fort, and they said that that was one of the reasons that they wore those really tall was to make them look more frightening. Oh, yeah. Because they were shorter. Mm -hmm. The average was about five, three, five, four, maybe. Mm -hmm. Well, so men today are larger, but the point I was thinking about is at that same time, they seemed to be the European uh, whites that mm -hmm. were, were smaller, shorter. Mm -hmm. The American Indians were here, and they were uh, of an average or, or taller height mm -hmm. at the time. So it seems that from those... 200 years that the male uh, the males are, are taller today uh, the, the, everyone's if you, when you come from Europe I was astonished to look at the size of people male and female the young people small or big and big oh. around the 6 foot mark and so on it, and, and then I caught on to what was the cause there's a cause for it because the US allowed the growth hormone in food long before they did in Europe and that hormone is not destroyed by cooking. It's in all the meat products. And that's that. It makes you grow just as it's meant to make the cattle grow. Yeah. That's the, that's the, that's the cause of it. Yeah. In World War One. Not so sure about that. It's a fact. Check it up. You don't destroy hormones by boiling them. That growth hormone, uh, yeah. from what I read about, they gave it to the cattle a few weeks before market to fatten them up. And that's what they claim. Yeah. And it does not... Yeah, yeah. I'll have to look that up, too. Yeah, and, those, but here's the thing with Britain, for instance. They found in World War One <coughs> the average soldier who came in, and they were all mal malnourished, had the, the worst terrible diet. Um, they, they, they averaged around the age of 18. Uh, they were about uh, five foot two tall. Wow. And within four months of having army army food, the best meals they'd ever had in their life, the average person sprouted six inches in four months. We're, we're out of our hour. Yeah. Okay, thank you, folks. Tune in to Darren Monday night for sure uh, and find out more about the vaccine we were talking about earlier. Alan, thanks. It's a pleasure. Thanks for being folks. Good night. God bless you all.